Welcome back to the Burn the Turner Show for another episode. Today I got another special guest on the show. Um, someone who I was definitely blessed to have around, you know, at some time during my early career at Kentucky. This person I look at as, you know, one of the Iron Men. You know, this guy, he he been through the wars and definitely set the trend for Kentucky basketball players like myself to go in and try to be just successful and have a great career like he did. But this guy played nine years, you know, in a professional level overseas. He coached 14 years college basketball and I even, you know, coached a little bit overseas. But before I introduce him, make sure you subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network group. And also you can watch us on YouTube Live. Make sure you subscribe to that. But getting back into it, you know, this person, you know, when I say I was blessed to have him around just to give me advice um, in my early young career going to Kentucky, a lot of people don't understand going to Kentucky is not the easiest school to go to and play at. And you really don't learn about it until later on when you become an upperclassman, what it's really about. Um, and this guy definitely... Um, showed me the ropes and gave me the advice that definitely helped my career uh, end up the way it has. And without further ado, from out of Somerset, Kentucky, um, I, I call him my big bro. He's one of the OGs, but you know, he's still looking young, you know, <laughs> still looking young and like he can still go. <laughs> but I had the pleasure of playing against him and him giving me experience on the court. You know, my brother, once again, Reggie Hansen, Bro, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's so great to have you on here. You know, um, I've, I've been blessed to, to do this podcast and to have guys like yourself come in and just, you know, share your story about Kentucky. Because, you know, when we're there, like, going through it and learning who you guys are. You know, we don't realize, you know, you guys have been through the same similar things that we've been through. And, you know, the knowledge that I've gotten from you and, you know, some of the other guys like Sean Woods, man, it's, it's priceless. And, you know, guys don't understand how important that is. And I feel like, you know, the guys this year, you know, they kind of got robbed of that because they didn't have, you know, that opportunity to have someone like yourself to come back and be around the program and give them that, you know, that knowledge of, you know, how to carry yourself at Kentucky because you're under a microscope. And you don't know that until you become an upperclassman or, yeah. you know, something unfortunately happens. But, you know, getting in, getting to you, um, you know, I, first of all, did you watch any of the March Madness this year? Man, I'm, 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 I was glued to TV. You, <laughs> you know, Wayne, it's like this, you know, playing. And I, like I said, I coached 14 years. So, um, Man, I, I'm passionate about basketball, man. I, I love it. I, I watch it all the time. I'm even my tweets. I'm always when I tweet out, it's always something regarding regards of coaching when I'm watching the games and whatnot. Uh, but first of all, let me tell you, thank you for uh, letting me be on your show. It's definitely an honor, and um, you know I've enjoyed our relationship, and um, you know, and getting to know you and watching your journey and seeing how you moving and the different things you're doing. I definitely keep up. So. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Definitely. Um, and uh, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Did who who'd you have in your final four this year? I had Michigan, Gonzaga, 
Baylor. Um, who was the other one? In, another um, was it Illinois was coming out the other side? Yep, yep, yep. That's what I had. Then I had then I had Gonzaga winning it, but but I had Gonzaga winning it, but I knew Baylor could could. I wasn't surprised what Baylor did. wasn't surprised at all. Really? Yeah. Well, you had Baylor winning it. No, no, I had Gonzaga winning oh, it. Oh, okay. But I was not surprised at Baylor. If you ask me to toss it up, I chose Gonzaga, but I, it, it could have went either way, I felt like. So so Baylor didn't surprise me in what they did. Right. No, um, I had Baylor winning it. That was my, I actually had the same Final Four you picked. Uh -huh. You know, I, I really wanted Michigan to, Michigan to get in there. I was a fan, you know, Michigan yeah. back in the day, just like everybody else. They recruited right. me at one point. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, I've always been a fan of Juwan Howard just as a player and a person. person. You know, I, got to, yes. I got to play with him in the Chicago Pro-Am League, actually mm -hmm. against him. And he was just a, you know, real humble, down-to-earth person. And to see him on the sideline culture, you know, was great. And he had a great year. And, and I picked Illinois too. I, you know, I, I thought Illinois would get in there because they was having yeah. such a good year. And, you know, they got knocked off by someone in that in that city that that they <laughs> underestimated. And you know, has you know that, that's what Marsh Madness is all about, though. That's what makes it them, like they say the greatest show on earth, right? You know, um, I mean, everybody, not just in this country, but everybody around the world is glued to, to Marsh Madness. Yeah, it's amazing because you know playing overseas, and I'm probably I'm pretty sure you probably experienced playing overseas. Like people, they know over there. They watch. You know, when mm -hmm. I played overseas, they know me from the tournament. Yes. And um, you know, it's just almost you know amazing. But I would have honestly, I picked Baylor to win. Honestly, mm -hmm. I truthfully, I just thought that it was their time, especially when right. I saw them play. I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, they they have guys coming off the bench producing. And when you get that, I mean, it, those teams are tough. And Scott Drew, you know, hats off to him. He's a good coach. You know, I was arguing with one of the bros about, you know, how is a good coach? And, you know, not, you know, not to put, co put coach under the bus, but I had the chance to actually be on the sideline coaching against Baylor in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. uh, back in 2016, I want to say. And, you know, we had a 20-point league, and those dudes came back and beat us. And that's what I realized he he was a good coach because his strategy got mm -hmm. us off balance, and they came back and won. And I just felt like it was his time uh, to win. But I would have had liked to see Gonzaga go right. undefeated just because no one hadn't done it since Indiana. Right, right, right. You know. I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, I hate when people say certain coaches are not a good coach, this and the other. When you, you got to look at the coaches, his, his body work, at what he's done since he's taken over Baylor. Baylor was like a, you know, Baylor was almost um, non-existent after that incident they had with the previous coach. So he took that program from the bottom, rebuilt it, and consistently, consistently is in the top 20. And then, you know, now and continue to get better and better. And um, and when you watch their team play, come on, you know, it's, it's there's a lot more to coaching than just the X and O's. You know, people don't understand. When you watch that team play and how selfless they played, as soon as they caught the ball, it was all about 
getting it to the next man. It's all about ro rotating on defense. It was all about helping each other and making that next player better. You could tell. And so that that right there, if you can get that, that trumps the X and O's. You know what I mean? So when you watch him, his players play and how they play, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's a hell of a coach. Yeah, no, I, that that team was was fun to watch. I mean, the tournament itself, it was so great to just have March Madness this year because, man, it was this, for, for the players, you know, the student athletes themselves, man, just to be out there and to, to experience that because, like you said, it's nothing like March Madness. And, you know, guys who, you know, went on to the NBA and played, you know, professional ball to this day, you know, I know, a lot of my teammates who played in the NBA, they've never got that college basketball love like they had, you know, like they, like they get in the NBA. They've never experienced that, especially at the University of Kentucky. No um, but, you know, this year was a tough year, obviously, for Kentucky basketball. You know, it was a losing <laughs> year for them. Um, but it was a different experience, you know, for Coach Cal. Uh, and, and a lot of the guys who probably came back, you know, not being able to have that, you know, that full offseason, that full preseason and to prepare the way they wanted to. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was times in the season where it looked like they was just going to pull it together, but they never mm -hmm. did. You know, what what was your take? Like, what did what do you think about what you think happened as far as the squad? Um you know, developing throughout um, the season once it went. I'll tell you what, I, I, I definitely I'll go back to the beginning. Um, we we got to definitely give COVID, you know, uh, some responsibility because those guys wasn't able to, um, wasn't able to work and bond together, you know, when time you hit campus, you know, to uh, going into the season. Um, but to also too is, when you have a team that's that's young and that's struggling and they don't have the upperclassmen leadership like you mentioned, that's huge. Um, and here's another thing for me, uh, just, you know, cause I keep up with every year, the talent, you know, throughout the state, whatnot. I mean, throughout the country, whatnot. And what people don't realize a lot of times, Wayne is, okay, let's say you got the number one recruiting class. You got these McDonald's All-Americans. And what most people do is they look at your previous recruiting classes how well they did, but they don't understand just because this class was the tops in the country this year, don't mean talent-wise they're good as those other classes. You see what I'm saying? These kids, I felt like they had a lot of potential, but I but just watch them, I felt like they need some years to grow, different than the other one and does. So I think people get mixed up on just because they were McDonald's All-Americans and they compare them to the other classes, they don't understand that a class in 1994 may be the top class, but that doesn't mean they're as good as the, the top class in 95, you know? And so I think people get mixed up on that. And, and again, um, I think it just comes back to not being able to have uh, enough leadership when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're that young and going through what they went through with COVID and not being able to work out. There wasn't enough leadership um, to really help those guys along the way. Right. And, you know, shooting was one of the things that was being pointed out as well. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I disagreed that Cal didn't rec recruit 
shooters because I thought Deron Lamb was a great shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought um, Tyler Hero was a good shooter. Um, I thought he, in the past, had create um, recruited, you know, some good, decent shooters. You know, mm-hmm. um, now I thought Deron was a, a knockdown shooter. If you lo- if you mm-hmm. left him open, it was definitely going in. Um, so I had the luxury, you know, the, the blessing to coach the kid, and he was definitely a shooter. Now, Hero was streaky. But how much do you think that affected them, that they didn't really have that knockdown shooter this year? It affected them a lot because when, when you don't have that shooter, um, and I know we try to run the dribble drive offense and whatnot, but when you don't have that shooter, it's hard for the lane to become to get to come open. Um, because everybody's they're right there in help position and waiting on you to get that drive. Uh, when you have shooters, you know, it, it just opens up the lane because you whoever's guarding the shooters, whoever's in the shooters area, you have to be ready to close out. And so not having shooters definitely hurt. Um, and, and, you know, and when you have guys that are not, you know how it is, Wayne, when your offense affects your defense, when you're not able to make shots, it affects, and, and it shouldn't. As a coach, as you know, when I was coaching for, uh, playing for Coach P, that's what he always used to scream. When I was coaching, I used to scream it. You can't let your offense affect your defense. But when it total, when it's totally as a team, as, if it's an individual player, it, it, it can be controlled better. When you're talking about, don't let your offense control your defense. But when you have a t- whole, t- your whole team is not great at shooting, then it can f- affect what you do on the defensive end because you know it's it's like we can't make these shots and you know you got to go back you got to play D and and so it 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 affected I think defensively as well not being a, a great offensive uh, shooting team. No, I agree because you know I kind of go back to when I played you know my senior year ninety nine we didn't we didn't have that that shooter you know Jeff left uh, Cameron left and it really affected us teams played a lot of zone. And, um, you know, no one, you know, there was no one who was kind of significantly, significantly scoring all the points, you know, and, and making threes. So, you know, it, I thought toward the end, they got better and more comfortable shooting this year. Um, and it looked like they were starting to gel. But, you know, I feel like some of the comments that Cal has gotten was a little harsh um, because mm-hmm. of what if he, he has come and done for the program from where it was and, um, you know, winning the national championship and going to a multiple final fours, you know, and people saying that he can't coach. Um, what do you think about that comment? Cause I mean, the guy spoiled, Spo- spoiled. <laughs> at the end of the day, spoiled. Um, when you look at what he's done in the last 10 years, He's won more games. He's won more NCAA tournament games. Um, but, I mean, our fans are spoiled. Um, it's like every year it's Final Four bust with them. And if it's not, then, you know, a lot of times, they, well, most of the time they don't think it's a good year. But in the, the day, that's what it is. Um, you know, Kyle's human. Everybody else is human. Players are human. And also when you go through a year like we went through, in terms of with the COVID with all these athletes, it, it was different, um, but but you know our fans are spoiled, and 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 um, you know. But but I would say this: they're they're definitely the best fans in the world because you know they're going to show up, <laughs> even if they don't like it. They're going to show up. All right? they're going to travel when it, when you can travel. You know, no matter whether it's Bahamas, Maui, 
they're going to be there. So um, you just got to you just got to roll with it, man. And, and uh, you know, the players has got to the players has got to just do what they need to do and block out stuff like that. Um, you know, you can't when when fans are when fans are praising you, you, you can't you can't you can't pay any attention to it. When they're dogging you, you can't pay any attention to it. Because at the end of the day, they don't control what goes on in their locker room. They don't control what goes on in their floor. And if you have a tight-knit unit in that locker room and you understand it's about what you guys do, which you know that when you're on a part of that team at a place like Kentucky, you have to have a close-knit team in that locker room. So when you step on that court every time, no matter what's going on around you, y'all y'all going to war together, you know at the end of the day, you know, y'all had each other's backs. Right. And, you know, and that's just the bottom line. I mean, that's that's how you have to approach, you know, playing for Kentucky basketball, because the moment you go outside, you know, that, that's when everything, you know, kind of goes soft. And, you know, the team is gets a little undivided. The selfishness comes out and you got to stay strong like that fist and be one. But, you know, bro, I didn't get to see you play uh, growing up. I've watched it. I watched, you know, games on tape, you know, film, you know, coach would throw some games and, you know, he'll throw some film in there during film of y'all, you know, pressing and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I was always curious, like you came in 1987, right? And you... So I always wondered, because Coach came a little later. So did he recruit you? Um, no, no, Eddie, Eddie Sutton recruited me. Eddie Sutton was the coach when I went to Kentucky. Um, so I, for my first couple of years, I played for Eddie. Uh, and then the, and then the my junior, senior, I played for, uh, played for Rick, Coach P. Um, and, and it was, um, and Coach Sutton was a great coach, but he was a defensive-minded coach, uh, very slow-down style. Um, and when Rick got there, it was, you know, it was, a, it was like a culture shock in terms of having to change to, to be able to play in his style of play. Um, and I'll never forget this. And I, and I have this in my book and I tell people all the time, uh, coaches first meeting with us and we only had like, because it was on probation, right? We only had like seven, eight scholarship players. And so at first, his first meeting was with us was in the training room at Memorial Coliseum. And he's like, I appreciate, you know, you guys that stayed here. I appreciate you staying here. I'm, you know, I'm glad that, that you decided to stay. And he goes on to say, he says, uh, you know, the way I play, you got to be in great shape. So, you know, some of you may not be here at the preseason conditioning because you may not last. <laughs> you know, like Coach P is, he's going to tell you straight up, like, um, so he gonna put the challenge on you right away, and he did that. And um, but you know what? It was it was hell going through that conditioning. But once we got through it, Wayne, you know how it is, man. It's like it's like you could attack the world, man, and, and ain't nobody gonna stop you, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was gonna ask you, like, you know, with that condition. Well, before I get into that. Like you stayed though, what made you stay? Like, I know you, you are a Kentucky kid as well, but what made you stay? What made you believe that Rick Pitino was gonna still, you know, fulfill the goals that you, you know, wanted to get accomplished? 
Well, I'll tell you this. Like we discussed a little bit on the show. Um, I am a Kentucky kid. I, I consider myself a Kentucky kid, but I didn't grow up a Kentucky kid. Um, I was born in Charlotte, and my mother moved us to Kentucky when I was 12 years old. So when I first got to Kentucky, it was all Carolina. It was all UNC. Um, and then obviously being there, you know, about a year or so, you know, I grew into this the whole Kentucky basketball thing, right? Uh, but anyways, when, when it came time to make that decision, uh, because we were put on probation, uh, we didn't have, we, the first year we had no TV, and both years we couldn't play in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. And so it wiped out my goals, man. I had goals of playing in both tournaments. I had goals of getting exposure to, to possibly and hopefully be drafted. Because see, back then, uh, you didn't have the exposure you have now with TVs and, and, and networks all over. It was ESPN or maybe CBS. And a lot of times, some of those ESPN or SEC get, um, games were delayed. So you had to watch them later after the game back then. So it wiped out a lot of the goals I had. Uh, but then I thought about it, Wayne. I'm like, you know what? I wanted to come to Kentucky because that's what heart was to come there and, and really become a player there. And the adversity that I went through with that probation, you know, I didn't cause it. But I thought to myself, you know, and I hope a lot of kids these days learn this. It's like, you know, I can't just run from the adversity. Because I thought, okay, you know, once once it became clear that we're on probation, that and the way the rules were set up, I could have transferred away to any other school and wouldn't have to sit out because of the way the, the, the probation went through my senior year. So I could have transferred, wouldn't have to sit out a year and played anywhere. And so I started being recruited to do that. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I said, you know what? Let, what if I leave here and I go to another school? Same thing can happen. Same thing can happen. So I said, you know what? Am I going to run from adversity or am I going to attack adversity? And so I said, you know what? I'm going to stay here and I'm going to flip the script and rewrite my story. And so I'm going to stay here and help Kentucky basketball get back to where it needs to be. Um, you know, I felt like I did that. <laughs> um, but but that's why I stayed, man, because it's like, you know what? And it's, 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 it's a lesson that stuck with me now. So anytime I run into adversity, I think back to that. And, and how I came through that and how by fighting through the adversity and staying, I accomplished more than what I thought I would when I first went into Kentucky. So uh, so that's what it came down to, Wayne, understanding that you can't just run from adversity when you have it. You got to look at it and see what, what you're passionate about and, and, and attack it head on. Right. That's strong. That's real strong. That's a great, great point right there, because it could happen if you went somewhere else. And, you know, unfortunately, I was in a situation where I saw it did happen to someone who transferred, you mm. know, over. and, um, you know, it was just a, a, a horrible situation. But <clears throat> thanks for sharing that with me. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we was talking about the conditioning. Uh, but before I jump into that, who was your class? Like, who were the guys that you came in with? Who were you recruited with? I came in with Rex Chapman and Derek Miller. Yep. And then after that, Eric Manuel came in, LaRon Ellis, Chris Mills. 
we had a lot of guys came in, man. If if the probation hadn't happened, whoo, man, we would have we would have been killing people, boy. But yeah, so I but I came in with Rex Chapman and Derek Miller. Well, LaRon Ellis ended up going to Syracuse, right? Is that the same LaRon Ellis? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Wow, that's man, Derek Miller, Rex Chapman. That's that's big time, right? And then Reggie Hansen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, you you would play pickup with us, and I'm like, man, this dude a few years ago, I don't know. <laughs> and that was the, th the next question I was going to ask you because I heard, you know, once coach came, and you know, some guys left. You were one of the guys that stayed. Obviously, you were one of the bigger guys. You had to kind of switch positions a little bit, and basically, you you know, word on the street was you play, you could play all five positions and wherever coach put you, that's where you was. That's where you was. It wasn't no complaints. You just went out there and did your job. I mean, how was that change for you? You know what, Wayne, it was great because it made me a, a better player. And that's what, that's what a lot of players don't understand. Because here's the thing, when, when we went on probation and our bigger guys left, um, so I was pretty much the tallest guy left, six, seven, only weigh like 190, 195. And one thing that, that the conversation I had with Coach P was, you know, I don't want to be stuck in no center position. I mean, because my size and I feel like my skill set can be a lot better. Coach P was like, no, you got to worry about that. He said, you got to worry about getting in shape. He said, because you, you're going to work on your ball handling, shooting threes, you're going to do whatever. So now at that point, it was up to me when I stepped on that court to show him all the things that I could do. And so, um, you know, he, he put me on Chris Jackson. It, it didn't matter. Shaquille, didn't matter who, um, I, I would guard. And Dick Vitale uh, named me one of the top five defensive players in the country my senior year. Because it didn't matter. You know, I, I, I love playing defense. I You know, I got the best defensive player award uh, on the team each year, but I love playing defense. Um, and then offensively, you know, he developed my game. Coach Pete developed my game to where, you know, I, I posted up when I had the advantages. I went to the perimeter, drove, shot threes, handled the ball. So he developed my all-around game that really, you know, just allowed me to be a lot more flexible, uh, you know, and, and to, to do a lot lot more things. And here's the thing, too, what, what players don't understand, the more you can do, the more positions you can play, the more time you're going to be on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah and coach p he told the team you know how he said certain things to the team and um he even told it to the media one time he said that uh i never had a bad practice and i didn't and and here's what and again i hope these young players understand out here and here's why i didn't have a bad practice wayne is because i gave 100 every day did i have days where offensively my game wasn't good. You know how you had them days in practice where you can't make a shot, you got turnovers, and it's like, dang, did I have days like that? Ain't no doubt. But even on the days like that, I gave 110% in every other area. And a lot of players, if their offense is not going well, you know how it is, it affects everything else they're doing. And so that's why Coach P said I never had a bad practice because I gave 110% every day, regardless of how my day was going, regardless of how my game was going, had a smile on my face. I was still a leader. I still pushed my teammates. And that's what it's all about. Wow. 
Wow, that's that's hey, that's pretty strong compliment right there in the Coach P practice for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I hit that wall, <laughs> freshman year. I, I definitely hit a wall. It was like, man, I don't want to practice today. <laughs> right, right. But you know, you can't go into practice with that mentality, or it's going to be worse than you thought it was going. Yes, yes, and and that's the thing. Um, and that's the thing. You you have to, and believe me, there was plenty of days I was like, oh man. But I knew, especially being a leader, that I had to always set the tone, regardless of how I'm feeling. Regardless of how I'm feeling, I had to be positive. I had to have the uh, the right attitude. I had to give the right effort in order for the team to follow. You know what I mean? Um, and, that, and that's the thing I, I liked about, uh, another thing about Rick is, is when you're a leader, I mean, he gives you that freedom to be a leader. So there's different times. If we start practicing, you know how it is, Wayne, sometimes when you start practicing, you're like, ah, oh, shoot, the way these guys are going, it's going to be a bad day. <laughs> so we start sometimes, and I tell Coach, I say, Coach, hold up, hold up. I, 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 I stop practice. Call the guys together, man. It's like, look, you you know how we starting. You know how. You, first of all, you know it ain't never gonna end. We'll be here more than three hours. You know how that is, Wayne. And I said, then if you don't oh, really said, have that twenty hour rule, either, huh, bro? No. <laughs> oh my god. No, man. I mean, hey, one day, one one year, I think it was my junior year, senior year. Uh, it was Thanksgiving, and you know you're on break. And so uh, Coach P came in that day, the morning practice. He said, hey, if we, if we go hard, we're going to have one practice today. So everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, we went from, from 9 to 1 o'clock, man. Oh, it was like, Coach, what, what, four hours? He was like, only one practice, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, wait, it's about, man, just, just coming out there, especially if you're a leader. It's about coming out there, man, and being that leader. And, and setting that tone every day, regardless of how you feel. No doubt. Yeah, he called, you just reminded me because he called those 6 a.m.s and then we had that 6 a.m. practice and he would be like, all right, now go take all the rest of the morning off, all the rest of the afternoon and the evening off. I see <laughs> Like we had a day off or something. Oh yeah. Hey, he, hey, he was, he was good at training mind games, boy. But you know, but you know what though? He was good at like, just like you said, at planning mind games, but he was very, he's very good at getting you to believe that you can accomplish so much more than what you're doing. Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt. And it was great to see him back on the sideline coaching, you know, Iona against, you know, Arkansas was definitely, was it, was Alabama. Alabama was definitely a tough team to yes. come, you know, have in the first round for the mm -hmm. year that they was having. But um, I actually got a chance to go to that game and um, just to see them and have them compete against uh, Alabama was, was uh, mm -hmm. definitely amazing to watch, but you know, moving forward, bro, um, you know, in my eyes and from what I've seen, definitely you were someone who um, brought that pro, brought Kentucky basketball back to, started it to get back to where, you know, it is now. And, um, you know, I honestly feel like without guys like you being around, you know, guys like myself, and encouraging me and then me later because when I met you I didn't know who you were but me mm -hmm. later learning about who you was and then going back and looking at your career 
I was mm -hmm. like, wow, you know what I'm saying? I was just really blessed to have someone like you there. Um, mm -hmm. But after you Thank left, you. you know, you played overseas for about nine years. And, you know, what I saw, you got a chance to play with the Celtics. And I think I was up there. Uh, I think I was visiting and I saw you with the C's. Like, how was that? I mean, you know, that's that that's everybody's basketball dream. And you know what? He was with the Celtics, with the it opportunity. Was, it, it was great. You know, I mean, obviously that was that was Coach P's. Uh, it was his first year there. And so, you know, he brought me up, brought me up and uh, it was a great experience, man. And and. What players don't tell you is what players don't understand. They don't understand the, the the difference in the NBA and college in terms of just the life you live, how you live, the responsibility you got to have for yourself, um, and the skill level up there, man. It, those guys, the things they do, these college players, high school players, look at it and they think they can do it because the NBA players make it look so easy. But it's 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 you the things they do. You got to have an unbelievable work ethic and an unbelievable skill level to be able to do the things that you see these guys do in the NBA. So it was a it was a great experience for me just to be able to be a part of it and just see how it all works and, and how things are in the NBA. And um, you know it's it's you know guys, if you can make it there, you're fortunate. And, and I hope guys realize that man, you're fortunate. And um, and and it's it's about it's about when you get there, it's about doing what a lot of these guys are doing now. It's changing other people's lives, Wayne. And that's what I love about the NBA guys today. They're doing so many other things outside of basketball with their platform, and, and that's what it's about. Uh, once you get there, uh, but 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 these young kids need to understand college kids that is not easy. You better have a you better have a great skill level you better have something you can do well <laughs> and right. it's not too many college or, or high school kids that's coming out they're not gonna be great offensive players you know there's, there's only a few of those come along like that's coming like zion and different ones that come in each year but then you have those jj riddicks or those other guys that's okay i'm gonna come in i'm gonna be a defensive stopper or i'm gonna be a rebounder you can make a lot of money and last a long time in the league having a specific skill ain't just about offense you know right and that's true because I watched James Posey who wasn't a great offensive player get drafted because of his defense and he could make shots he could score he scored at Xavier but you know they drafted him based on his his defense and mm -hmm. then when he got in the league all the other things came along and developed and won championships but you know Thinking about the guys who are entering a draft this year from Kentucky in particular, um, you know, for the year that they had, like, mm -hmm. especially someone like a Terrence Clark, like I was very surprised to see that he declared for the draft. Right. What, what do you think about that? Because he didn't play, a whole, you know, the, even the games that they played. Didn't play a whole season. I tell you what, um, it's it's a risk. I mean, it's a big, big risk when you come to school and you're young and you have an injury, you don't play, and then you put your name in the draft. It is a huge risk because the NBA they don't really have nothing to go 
off of, you know, they, they, in terms of how you're improving, how you're adjusting. Um, yes, you can be in the gym working on a skill set every day, but that that doesn't, doesn't prove anything. It doesn't, still doesn't tell me anything if I'm an NBA scout or GM. Um, and so it's, I think it's just risky, man, that, that, that he would make that move. Um, and, and the thing about, I, th- I feel like with young guys, if you're going to put your name in, I would, I would make sure, make sure before I sign an agent and sign, be signed to him, delivered. I would make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at first round pick definitely. Because if there's doubt, any kind of doubt, well, maybe he, maybe borderline, then, then you could be, you could be wiping out your chances overall because because if you put your name in and you go all out you sign with the agent then you're not a first round draft pick to where at least you can get a guaranteed few years to, to get better um then after that man it's it's um it's tough it's yeah. tough yeah and that's what i you know i share my experience with guys i run across and i tell them man it may look easy on tv <laughs> but it's not easy there's a lot, I mean, you're playing against grown men. The strength is different on mm. that level. And then mentally, just mentally day in, day, you know, night, night in, night out, you know, you gotta be prepared to play against an all-star superstar, you know, nine year vet, <laughs> eight year vet. And, you mm-hmm. know, for a younger guy to come in and do that, you know, that's definitely a big, big challenge. And, you know, I'm, I feel like if you're ready as a freshman to go, Jalen Suggs, then go. Like, I, yep. I honestly think that kid is the only freshman kid that I got to see this year that mm-hmm. I believe that is ready to step into the uh, NBA and make an impact. Um, outside of that, I mean, I don't, I hadn't seen any other freshmen that really impressed me that they're going to go and make an impact, but you know, I'm not the scouting expert either, so <laughs> I leave that alone. No, but, 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 but no, no, you're more. right. Go ahead. I, I said, no, you're exactly right. I, I think Suggs is definitely ready uh, to make that move. And and my thing too, if you if you if you know, and, and it's not a secret, you you know, guys that's going to be in the top five, top ten, pretty much in the draft. And if, if you're going to be that high, regardless of of your class, then you you definitely need to go because what happens now. In the NBA, let's say a guy like Suggs, totally, he's a totally different, he's in a totally different arena than obviously the the player that we we're just talking about. And I'm not talking about talent wise; I'm talking about the opportunity wise. You know, Suggs has a chance to be you know top three pick, so he stays another year. Now, NBA scouts and they don't look at his potential down the road. They start picking apart his game, see what he's not good at. And so that now that hurts you. If you're a freshman and you got a chance to be a top five and you stay longer, now they start looking at what you're not good at. It's just the way it is, you know. Um, so when you got a chance to be a top five pick like he is, you're a freshman, you gotta go and um and make that move because he has nowhere to go but down, you know what I mean? By staying. That's a good point, real good point. <laughs> I'm not gonna hold you too much longer, bro. But a few more questions. Um, I'm good. I'm good. You know, you was in coaching, um, and you got the opportunity to actually coach at, you know, your alma mater, University of Kentucky. Um, I believe under Tubby Smith. 
you know, how was that for you coming back and coaching a generation that was, you know, way away from your generation and seeing the change at Kentucky itself? Like, how, what was that experience like for you? You know, Wayne, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, and first and foremost, because playing at Kentucky, understanding what it's about, going through the adversity I went through there, um, I, I could tell the players and educate them what that was all about. Um, and, and, and so it, that can really help them in their adjustment off the court and on the court for me to be able to tell them about my experience as a player there, what to expect, what to look out for, how to handle a lot of different situations. Right. Um, and on the court, here, here's the thing about, and you know how this is, Wayne, when you're a player and your coach is getting on you, in your mind, players' minds, they, they always wonder how much your coach knows. And, they, and, and players know what kind of level the coach played at. So sometimes, a player may not listen to a coach because they feel like you ain't been at this level, so how would you know? <laughs> and so when I would get on players, um, and I would challenge them in certain situations, nothing they could say to me, because I've been there, right? I was right in their shoes. And so was nothing they could say to me or tell me. And a lot of times, depending on who it was, it could be Keith Ogus, Rajan, uh, they just laughed because they knew that you can't tell me that because I, I've been in your shoes. I played at this level and I was very successful at this level um, at Kentucky. So, um, so that's one of the other things that, that was beneficial for me when I went back to coaching is, is just being there as a player to be able to help them understand all the different experiences they go through off the court and being able to understand what it took on the court to, to be successful and, and, and to be able to play at a high level consistently. How much do you think a role that played this year? Because normally Cal had someone who, you know, was affiliated as a coach anyway. Mm -hmm. I think Tony was on staff. Um, you know, one year I was there. Marquise mm -hmm. was there one year. Um, he's always usually had, you know, someone of that caliber, even Rod Strickland, um, and, uh, Kenny Payne. You know, mm -hmm. how important is it to have a guy like that on your staff? I think it's very important. I mean, um, because here's the thing. I think it's very important um, because here's the thing with young people, especially nowadays. It was like that when I coached, but even now, it's like it's like the same thing I said. You know, you got to show them. They need to see it. They need to know you did it. They need to know. You know what I mean? You can't just talk about it. They got to know you did it. Like like I said, when I was coaching, you know, I could bring out all my game film when I was a player at Kentucky. And a lot of times I did that just to show them, just to say, okay, you know, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm trying to tell you about with certain situations of a court or, or different things. Um, so having somebody that's been through the experience um, that can tell these players certain things to where the player, they can't, they can't question it at all. There's no doubt. You know, there's, there's nothing that I tell them and they can be like, that didn't happen. You know, because like I said, I've been there on not only as a player, but then being there as a coach, that's it, that, you know, that even, that even gives me more experience in terms of being able to share, you know, things that could be valuable and add value to those guys. Um, but I think it's very important to have someone 
uh, part of your program that really understands the program to be able to share experiences with players. And you coached some great players at Kentucky. Out of those players, who was the great, who was the best player you coached just as far as this all around player? Tayshawn. Tayshawn, man, Tayshawn was, I mean, first of all, his IQ was unbelievable. I mean, he understood the game so well. And the thing about Tayshawn, Tayshawn was 6'9, a buck five. But you know, but the thing about it, no matter how skinny he was or, or whatever, he was strong. He was strong mentally and he was strong physically more than what people think. You know, if he posted up, you couldn't push him off the block. And then he was so long, but he could handle the ball, he could shoot the ball, pass the ball. Uh, Tayshawn could do so much, man. And um, he was so versatile, but he's, he's the best player. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm jumping forward, but, you know, you were in the coaching for a long time, and you just said, I'm out. And my question was, you know, when you get into coaching, at some point with college basketball, you want to be a head coach. Did you not want to be a head coach in college? Now, I did. Now, here's the thing, Wayne. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but it, you know, it wasn't something that, that, that it, it was for me to put out there. Um, I, put it, I put it in my book I wrote, but I didn't get out of coaching because I wanted out of coaching. Um, as you know, when you're a coach, a college coach, you're gone all the time. You, you, you spend so much time away from your family. Um, my youngest daughter, she was a Division One athlete. She got a Division One scholarship, and when she was in high school, she was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And I'm always gone. You know what I mean? I, and she she was all she was a, a honor roll student. She was a top 100 player in the country her junior year. That's when she was got diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety. And in the summertime, when she's on one part of the, the country being recruited. I'm on the other side of the country recruiting. So I missed so much, man. And then when I left uh, USF in 2014 and went to coach, I was a head coach of a pro team in Japan. My daughter was on a basketball scholarship. She was a freshman at Liberty University. And so her depression got worse. Um, and so when I got back from Japan, Wayne, it was like, you know what? I, I, I had a great 13 years in college. And, and, and this year in Japan, I, I said, I said, you know, I need to do something for my daughter to give her a chance in life. Um, because depression and anxiety, which you know now, is starting to come out as being something that really affects a lot of people big time, affects their careers, affects them being able to do their jobs. And so I had to make the decision to get out of coaching for her. And Wayne, that was one of the toughest decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, I couldn't even watch, I couldn't even watch college basketball for an entire year because it, it hurt that much. Uh, but you know, I did the right thing. Cause I took my daughter out of basketball for a year so we can work on her mental health and her anxiety and, and depression. And, and we got her to a point where she was back ready to play and, and resume her career again. And I transferred to the university of North Florida. It's closer to me cause I'm in the Tampa area. And, um, and so, you know, so that's why I ended up getting out of coaching. Um, but, but now, you know, it's, it's, 
in my company that I have, I, I do. I'm, I'm coaching now. I, I still I, I coach people. I, I I do leadership development. I do life coaching, life development. I do uh, life transitions, mental health. Um, I do every kind of coaching now with people. I do with companies. Um, I am with student athletes. There's so many parents that are reaching out to me now because they know what I do. They know what I've been through. That are wanting me to, to you know, coach their student athletes on with with their different things they're going through, whether it's time management, whether it's with the COVID and handling situations, coping with different situations. Uh, so I'm still coaching and coaching people, coaching student athletes, just in a different way. And I love it. I enjoy it. But uh, back to what you said there, yeah, that, that's the reason that I got out of coaching. What's the name of your book? Tell us. It's 10 Life Lessons Learned an Athlete. 10 Life Lessons so. And they, can, and they can get it on my website at, at hansoncoaching.com. Great. Definitely. You know, and um, bro, I appreciate you sharing that, man. And, you know, you know, I was in the coach and I coach high school varsity basketball now um, in Louisville. And yeah. you're, you're right. I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes it does family you know, it does affect family. And then when, you know, certain things happen, it's like, you know, you got to make a decision. And, you know, that is tough. It's, it's very and tough. I'll, a lot I'll of people don't understand and, and know that. And then they wonder mm -hmm. why the coach is making so much money because of the sacrifice that he has yeah, to make, it, you know, with I'll, his I'll family. <laughs> uh -huh. And I'll tell you this, um, I'm not going to mention a name, but I, I was texting with a coach back during the final four actually he was he was one of the assistant coaches not final four back during the NCAA tournament he was one of the assistant coaches on the team that was in the tournament and he had got out of coaching for a while because he needed to spend time with his family he needed to be there for his family and it was a, it was a struggle for him so because I, I had read his story the struggle for him and then finally one day a head coach called him up and said hey are you interested in getting back in and um, and he, he said yes, and so he, he got. But he but again, he, he so I reached out to him and said, hey, look, man, I understand what you went through. I said I read your story, and I told him about my story, and he was and he was so happy that I reached out to him uh, because I mean I've talked to a lot of coaches. I've had assistant coaches that reached out to me um, and asked me about how I handle my situation with my daughter, and they they're because their kids are going through some depression and anxiety stuff. And it's because of all the moving around, you know, coaches move all the time. So now kids gotta, they gotta adjust to new friends, adjust to new city, adjust to new place. So it's tough on the kids. Uh, and, and my advice to them always is that at some point, you gotta think, you know, your kid at the end of the day, you gotta say, hey, you know what? What's the best thing for my kid? Because that your kids are the ones that that need that guidance and need that opportunity in that life to have an opportunity in life. As you, if you're a coach, um, you can have opportunities out there. You know it, even if it's outside of coaching. You can, there's, you know, you can have different type of opportunities in life. But your kid, if they don't get that depression and anxiety under control, they will have no opportunities because they won't be able to do it. They won't be able to handle it. And going back to that conditioning question 
<laughs> what was the toughest thing that y'all had to do with Coach P in conditioning? Conditioning. Well, First of all, who was your who was your strength coach? Great Rock <laughs> Oliver. The Rock's the boy. I knew that. <laughs> yes, but you know he was great though, man. He was great. Yeah. Um, I got. But you know what? When, um. I was, I was, when it comes to sprints and stuff like that, I was great. I used to, they used to have me running with the guards when it comes to sprints, the 220s and all that kind of stuff. Now, when you got to the, 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 uh, the distance, man, that's what killed me because we started out doing the mile run, the test. And then we went to the two mile and we had, we had, had the two mile done in 12 minutes. Wow. Which is astronomical. I mean, it's just crazy. the two mile. Wow. Here's a, but here's the thing, Wayne. We started the first day. We started is three three in the afternoon, and we went. To run, you know, we had to run, we had to run over to the track. So we didn't get we didn't we, we didn't get brought in no vans. We had to run to the track, stretch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gonna throw that at me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had to run to the track, stretch. Then we do the workout. After the workout, we stretch. Then run. Back to the gym and play pickup. Wow. Yes. And so the two mile run, man, I never, I never, I had never done anything like that, especially being two, having done, having done in 12 minutes. And Wayne, if like when we started at 3 p.m., nobody made it. And so the way it went is if you didn't make it at 3 p.m., you did it at 6 a.m. If you didn't make it at 6 a.m., you had to do it 3 p.m. the next afternoon. If you didn't do it at 3 p.m., you had to do it at 6 a.m. next morning. So you had to keep doing that until you made it. Once you made it, you were done. But it took me three or four days to make it. I ain't gonna lie. But I used to, I used to throw up every time before those runs, Wayne, because I, I had anxiety, man. Like no joke. I, I wrote about that in my book too. I had anxiety about those runs. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. Um, but I finally made it, man. I finally made it. But it was tough. Those two mile runs in twelve minutes was tough. You know, I know that feeling. We only did the one mile, but we had the guards had to come in around. You know, I think it was like six minutes or something like that, or five thirty, mm -hmm. and I think the 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 wing six minutes, and then the big six thirty. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if you did not make it, <laughs> you had to come back, keep coming back until you made it. You made <laughs> and it, man. Hey, when I say I made it on the first try, <laughs> but I had so much anxiety, so I know. Well, you know exactly what you was feeling, and man, that's definitely one of the strongest challenge that tests your mental right off the bat that I've ever been through, you know, in my life. And uh, you know, it definitely uh, made a man out of me for sure. Um, but you know what? Let me tell you, you know, this too, though, Wayne, because I, you know, I still run. I run four or five times a week. I still lift, um, and it's because of that. Um, because I knew how hard we had to, to work to get in shape. And I know as people get older, they do exercise less. And they start having health issues and things like that. And so I said to myself, you know, I work too hard to get in this good of shape. I'm not going to let my body just go to waste as I get older. So now, uh, just from that experience, um, you know, I stay in shape. I run, I work out. And and my body feels good. And 
And on, on, on those days where, I mean, I feel like it mentally, my mind will revert back to that time at Kentucky and be like, you know what? You, you, you still did it then. You can do it today. So get your butt out there and, and do it. <laughs> right. No, you're right. I mean, it's almost like when I don't work out, like my body's like, yo, we need to get in the gym right now. <laughs> yes. And you can feel it, man. Exactly. So, you know, it's like a need. <laughs> no, yo. no. And, and 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 at some point a want so mm, yes yes but um you know I'm a a couple more everybody's had a competitor at Kentucky like who was your biggest competitor like when you played at Kentucky who was that one person that man you knew you was gonna go to war with him like my guy was Kareem Reed like every time we played Arkansas mm -hmm. I know it was going to be a battle with Kareem Reed. Um, I'm going to tell you what, man. It was, I may have had a couple of guys, because I know how I am, Wayne. When I'm on the court competing um, and, 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 and things get physical, I, I, you know, I'm going to turn up a whole other level. And I'm going to get, get more physical more physical. I know there's a guy... And uh, named Rennell Singleton that played at LSU was very good. He was on teams with Shaq, Stanley Roberts, and those guys. And even with those guys, he still averaged 15 points a game. That's how good he was. He was still able to average 15 points with Shaq and Stanley Roberts and other good players they had. Uh, but with him, um, Robert Ory, we we even got in a fight uh, my junior year. Me and Robert Ory, big shot Bob, got in a fight uh, my junior year in the first minute and a half of the game and got kicked out. Um, and it was, it was, and once I got kicked out, Wayne, it was a big leadership lesson for me because it was our first year, first year under Rick. We only had seven, eight scholarship players. I was the only, me and Derek Mills, the only returning starters. And so we, we didn't have anybody and have no bodies and have no experience. And so it was a big leadership lesson for me to, to understand that I have to be smarter than that, not let it get to a, being towards a physical altercation where it's a fight where I get kicked out the game because even though he got kicked out, they still had Latrell's Freewood and a lot of other players that were probably that's going to be NBA draft picks. So they, they still had more talent than we had. So it wasn't it didn't hurt them as much as it hurt us. Uh, but Robert Ory um, and um, Brunel Singleton at, at LSU was, was my biggest competitor. Every game it was like, you know, you know you're going at it. Yeah. Now y'all, y'all had eight guys. Like I saw a picture with eight guys on the team. I want to <laughs> say it was Coach P's first year. Yes. Man, how were y'all able to do? Now eighty-two and two is you got to make <laughs> eighty-two layups in two minutes. How? Dude, we have 15 guys, and sometimes we didn't make it. Mm -hmm. how, did y'all yeah. ever make it? Like, how how, how did y'all do that, man? Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Now, we did, all we had eight, eight scholarship players, we did fill the roster out. We had like three or four walk-ons. Okay. Um, so that that helps. But but I'm gonna tell you, man, it's like <laughs> 
we would make it, but sometimes, man, it would take us two or three tries. And um, at the end of the day, it was like we we could not afford to miss like one layup. You know, if a guy missed a layup, oh my goodness, I would go off, man. Cause we we couldn't afford to, cause we just we you know like I said, we didn't have a lot of guys, a lot of bodies, and and uh, but it was it was tough, man. You know how you know how Coach Pitt is. You know, you, you we do it the first time, maybe find two, we didn't make it. Like, I right, do it again. I we didn't make it. He's like, okay, you don't make it this time. You're going to 174. You remember that, man? <laughs> man, boy. But that, I tell you what, that's one of the woo, <laughs> tough man. And you going and you had to go with your offhand, your left hand. Right, right. <laughs> now I'll tell you this though. I'll tell you this. Sometimes, because you know, Tubby was the assistant, Herb Sendak. Uh, Ralph Willer, Billy, and sometimes they try to help us out. They try to help us out a little bit. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about. Oh, oh, on the I'm, on the I'm, layup, yeah, 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 with layups, maybe on the count a little bit, you know. <laughs> oh man, but, but uh, but yeah, man, that was that was a tough, tough drill. Gosh, hated that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, bro, man, I appreciate you definitely coming on the show. Um, it's definitely good to have you. Everybody that chimed in, make sure you subscribe to the Bernard Turner Show. Fill the 68 Media Network group um, on Instagram. You can subscribe and watch our videos on YouTube as well. Um, once again, my brother, Reggie Hansen, go get that book. Get those lessons. I mean, I'm going to get it. I'm going online. I'm going to get it. You make sure you get that book because you're definitely going to learn something from it. And um, thanks for coming in, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate it. You know, you my guy, man. I'm Like I said, I follow you and, and uh, I was glad to see you got that coaching job. And man, anything, anything, anytime I can help you out, man, you know, just I'll let me. But I appreciate it. It's an honor being on your show. Thank you.